Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us Friday morning, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you, and mazel tov to you. Thank and you And mazel tov to Avin Racheli Stein, their girl, and this Shabbos of Briss in Baltimore for Emil and Michal Shishportish for my... There's the children of my son. Wow. So it's my great-grandchild. Un- Two of them. Unbelievable. Two and 14 hours. So Pretty it's amazing. a good thing. They keep you real busy, huh? Very busy. And uh, during this... Staying t- up every night having... No. <laughs> and, during the, and during this time and nobody wants to travel anywhere, you'll travel anywhere for a big Simcha celebration. hundred percent. As long as it's done social, you know, social distancing and all the other precautions. Correct. Well, here we are on this Friday morning. Oh, a reminder to our audience, by the way, especially for those who, who have to uh, leave during our conversation next week. Because it is Simcha, I will not be here. Uh, Mark Zamek will be sitting in the morning after the wedding, and uh, Malcolm and I will return, Bezrat Hashem, uh, two weeks from today here at uh, JM in the AM. Well, well, let's start with the speech from last night. I mean, I think rightfully so. Israel and the Middle East policies of the Trump administration had a prominent place in President Trump's acceptance speech last night. What did you think of all the references to what's been going on in the Middle East? Well, the interesting thing is the the reception to me from the audience, which was uh, quite very strong whenever Israel was mentioned, especially about moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Right. And um, that was true on the earlier speeches when the vice president did it the night before. Uh, so I know people noted uh, that and the, and the references, obviously, to the, to the UAE-Israel uh, deal. Uh, and uh, But I think people seem to be much more focused on the domestic agenda, given the disruptions and given the challenges, COVID, the economic challenges, et cetera. And it'll be very interesting to see how in the next uh, almost three months it plays out, um, it could be very close. It could be, you know, that they're all competing for marginal uh, votes and, and uh, you know, that uh, the bulk of people have their mind made up and now the facts won't confuse them. Or will will people really react? And who knows what could, the way things go these days. You know, people call me all the time to ask me about Rosh Hashanah, what's going to happen, you know, and you think it's a long time away, and it's not. It's it's around the corner, and uh, so many people are still uncertain. Um, I, Baruch Hashem, hope to be able to be with uh, your good friend Rabbi Fuchs at his amazing program. Oh, they're actually doing a program for Rosh Hashanah. Interesting. For, for at the Lakota Arks, uh, Oaks Hotel in uh, in Norwalk. Wow. And uh, so it'll be a limited group, so people want to go should really get in touch with him at 800-522-1850. Oh, I happen to have it sitting in front of me. That's what made <laughs> me think of it. But, um, um, but no, but so many people are calling. This is a period of such uncertainty that you can't plan a month in advance. Right. And you went through it with your simcha. You went yeah. through it with, and you see it every day in so many other events that they keep getting changed and they have to uh, adapt it to the new rules and to new regulations. So I think people are going into this with uh, a lot of uncertainty, but the market would reflect a lot of confidence, uh, given the numbers, whether it's real or artificial, as every analyst has their own opinion. Uh, and 
I think that the the Republican convention seemed to be more upbeat and, and lively by the uh, and the analysts' reaction, even though much of the media obviously has its own perceptions of the where they start from even before they get to hear what what was said (laughs) but it was 70 minute speech that's the longest i think in history for an acceptance speech and uh, you know it's it's going to be a fascinating for everybody who's interested in politics to see how these next week play out but not just on the on the presidential level but we have many contested congressional seats even including with very high-profile people. I saw this week Lindsey Graham and others who are in uh, in contested races. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really important November election. And, uh, boy, that's a great reminder. This is not just the presidential election. There's so many things. And, by the way, uh, if, if in general one who votes you know a certain way for president tends to vote down the uh, the ballot sheet, you know, down the ballot the same way. I think this year it's even more. I think the Democrat versus Republican uh, issue is, is even bigger than Trump-Biden. That's at least at least the feeling I'm getting. I don't know if it's like that in the swing states, but I just have a feeling that uh, the, the partisanship is so much more to the parties than to the individual candidates at this point. I think parties are, are this year more important than they have been for a long time. This is such a personal election. It's you know your pro-Trump or anti-Trump seems to be the more dominant question for for voters now. Again, all of this can change in a blink. Uh, are people really listening to the facts, or is it is it emotion? And you know what happens on the streets? How does that impact you know people's uh, attitudes and perceptions? It's it's very um, it's very unpredictable. I think. Yeah. Uh, not that we don't know how you feel uh, as we stay here in the U.S. for a moment, but uh, when you hear about the Chabad House, University of Delaware, you hear about the anti-Semitic attacks, University of Indiana University, and uh, and then on top of that, not that they are similar, but maybe in some ways they are, when you hear that Harvard is giving uh, some type of uh, prominent position to Saeed Barakat, uh, what do you think about uh, some of the things going on in this country? Well, I think that we've tried to warn them that the campus was the battleground that it has been for for many years that we are fighting there uh but you know at arson attacks are, are an escalation we've had desecration of the ae pie and other buildings on campuses at the jewish fraternity um and certainly endless incidents with faculty making outrageous comments the rights of jewish students being trampled on that's why uh, the lawfare project has been bringing these lawsuits other groups as well we really have to act strongly and decisively and administrations have to know that there'll be a price in most cases university administrations have have done the right thing but when alumni and when uh, others make their voices heard and when we Set, we set up a 24-hour hotline through SCAN that any student uh, is seven days a week if they're in danger, if they have a situation, they can report it to a duty desk where there are trained people who will take the information and try to help and get resources to them. Uh, we have to confront this in a very decisive and comprehensive way. That means fighting the BDS, fighting anti-Semitism, fighting for the rights of students. It means that we hold people to account, and when faculty go 
crazy as they have, and when their pro-Israel faculty are being persecuted, we have to stand up for them, and it's happened here in New York City universities. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of these things, you know, used to be uh, that's it, that's the that's the line in the sand, especially when it comes to uh, you know arson on campuses. But I don't know that line in the sand just keeps on moving. We're not we're not getting to a point where everyone's either fed up or everyone's ready to make decisions to crack down on episodes like this. Well, you see, the number of people who are applying for Aliyah, so those yeah. people are making decisions, and I hope they're doing it for positive, not just to respond to a negative. Uh, but we see the uh, people moving out of cities. We see, I mean, people respond in different ways to circumstances. But uh, I know that people who are sending their kids to campuses are now looking, as we have urged for many years, they look at what Jewish life is like, but more importantly, what what the security situation is, how do universities create this hostile atmosphere or not. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, again, this this question, you know, somewhat rhetorical, but when you see an NBA team contribute $50 million to the BLM movement, do any of these people know what this money is being used for? Do any of them know the the ties, the attitudes, and the and, and the the type of uh, activities that they are funding when they're handing over money like that to them? I don't know. Yeah, like I said, somewhat rhetorical, but yes, I think we may know the answer. Um, all right, Pompeo's tri- Pompeo's trip. Tell us about it. Very important trip um, was in Israel. Actually, spoke from uh, the top. David with Jerusalem in the background, um, and he's visited UAE and Sudan. His part of the hope was to get other countries to follow up uh, on the example of the UAE in establishing or moving towards diplomatic relations with Israel, towards normalization. He did not get the responses or any decisions as far as we know yet. Uh, I did speak to his party there, and while they were traveling and um, you know, at the same time, he's working on a heavy agenda of issues dealing with Iran primarily. Uh, they're moving on the on the snapback provision. The United States even moving alone. We see that the Europeans are still very weak. Maybe Britain coming along. Yesterday, German's foreign minister told Pompeo for the first time, you know, indicating support for or potential support for a snapback provision or some extension of the arms embargo, not specifically the snapback. Snapback means that the the various resolutions of the UN imposing sanctions from 2006 to 2010 before the JCPOA was adopted the 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 deal that president obama signed and um, signed by all the members of the europeans and the UN security council deal that um, they would come back and there is a provision that if a country finds that iran is in violation meaning for the united states then they can snap it back uh, a lot. But in that right now, the vote in the Security Council, I think, was there were only, it was only one other country that voted with the United States, uh, and 13 countries voted against uh, a snapback provision. But the United States can do it unilaterally, and we've put imposed sanctions before unilaterally, uh, and they are very effective. We have continued to, to do so. Uh, even during the last months, there have been uh, additional targeted sanctions against individuals, against the ships that were taking oil to Venezuela, their captains, the banks that financed them, and people don't want to lose access to the U.S. market. It is still the most important. They don't want to not be able to trade in the dollar. They're not going to you know, substitute the ruble or anything else uh, or the end for it. It's, it people need access to the U.S. 
going to be discreet. Malcolm, where are you breaking up? It sounds like you're breaking up. I'm not breaking. Oh, up. there you go. I, mean, I just got very emotional. I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but but it, it, the to see it in the larger context that Pompeo has really been in the forefront. We see that that the Iranians continue to violate every accord, every provision, meaning that they are enriching uranium beyond the 3.67 level. They are uh, stockpiling much more than the 300 uh, kilograms that they're supposed to have on all fronts that they're violating. And this would enable them, if on October 18th this deal isn't sealed and the it's not extended, the uh, embargo, they will be able to buy weapons conventional weapons from China, from Russia, from everybody, and export them to Hamas, Hezbollah, their network, as well as use against um, the allies in uh, in the region, in the Gulf, our allies, and, of course, threatening the state of Israel. So the, 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 there are a lot of implications of this, and the problem is they have a 17, uh, September 18th, you need 30 days to implement, so some September 18th, not October 18th, is the real deadline. And that's why they're pressing so hard to... Uh, to, to get this in. There was a deal struck this week between the IAEA, the Atomic Energy Agency, uh, whose new head, Grossi, is very tough and came to Iran with a very tough line, and they attacked him all the time, but they reached an accord with him that will give additional access to the two sites that the uh, agency had asked for. We'll see whether they really live up, Iran lives up to their pledge of cooperation. It's something they've done all along. But if they do, it's only because they're fear of the snapback. It's only because they believe the United States <clears throat> will take these additional actions, and they're trying to drive the wedge with the uh, other members of the Security Council to assure that they uh, won't get it. The president the Security Council said that they won't take it up. It's in Indonesia is the presidency now, and Niger is next. So there isn't much hope that there will be leadership coming from the U.N., but the United States is certainly um, pressing, and, and it's, it is having an impact and an effective. I'm not asking you to, tr to stump for the president, but has Joe Biden made it clear that his intention is to reinstate JCPOA and to uh, and to go against what Trump has done regarding the uh, uh, the sanctions, etc.? I mean, is this something that's either in their platform or that he has stated outrightly? Yes, he has said that. Um, he would uh, go back into the agreement, <clears throat> but he has said that he wants a better agreement so that they would revise it. I mean, yet people always point to the fact that he was part of the administration that adopted it, right. but it doesn't mean that it, was, it, it, it wasn't his decision, it wasn't his position. I know that there are issues in which he differed uh, with the administration because we, we saw it in meetings that we had with the president. and. Um, but on, on uh, this, he, he has said that he would go back in, but that he wanted to change it, to strengthen it. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So I asked you about the Pompeo trip that just is uh, ha has taken place. What about the... Jared Kushner trip that's expected this weekend. Yeah, on Monday, I think they are leaving. Uh, it's the first flight. It's an Israeli airliner that will take uh, Israeli businessmen and Israeli uh, ministers, as well as uh, Kushner and the party to uh, the UAE. 
Uh, obviously, it's to try to flesh out the agreement and to start implementation on the various levels, especially in business contacts, uh, because the more practical application, the more people see the benefit, the more support, although uh, I've heard from uh, uh, Creel, the president of the community in the UAE, from, uh, from not only from Ross, but from others there, and from officials uh, that this is enjoying popular support there, uh, that people um, are happy about the deal, and that they salute the Jews when they see them. That is, you know, the Jewish community now is, is public. They even have a restaurant now, uh, a kosher restaurant that was opened in Dubai, and the, the synagogue is an officially recognized place, and the, it, and the Jewish community officially listed in the tourism and the government, working on the Abrahamic Center, where there will be there will be a Jewish building in addition to a Christian and Muslim. There, um, I mean, there are a lot of manifestations of this. We've seen some comments uh, from the foreign minister of Bahrain and the UAE talking to their counterparts in Israel, and then they got, I mean, not, uh, in not UAE, Sudan, Sudan and Bahrain, and they got fired. Uh, one was reinstated, but they, it's still very tense. And Morocco, from Morocco to Saudi Arabia, countries uh, have been approached, and so far none of them have stepped forward with it. And many have extensive clandestine relationship with Israel. Uh, Saudi Arabia said that it's contingent on a peace deal with the Palestinians. Mm. Uh, others have had other excuses, but the fact is that it was a game changer. It is moving things in the right direction. And the, 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 you know, the defense ministers of the UAE and Israel spoke uh, and publicly acknowledged it, talking about uh, security issues. I mean, there are just a lot, a lot of applications and implications of the deal. And, you know, the, the, uh, when you look at who attacked it, Iran and Turkey, you know that they're on the right track. I have a feeling you know which country is, in fact, next for Israel to make peace with. Um, is it possible that that would happen during this trip with Jared Kushner in the Middle East? That's going to take a few weeks. Uh, both could be true. I don't know that anybody's really on the verge, though, for Oman and Bahrain would be the most likely candidates. It would not be a big leap for them. Uh, but uh, I would say one of those is possible. Have you been to both of those countries? I have been. I've not been to Oman. I've been to the others, and of course, I've been to the UAE many times, and to Saudi Arabia, and to uh, other Morocco. places in the Gulf. Erdogan, you mentioned Turkey. He's pretty upset about this whole thing. Uh, so, a couple of things. First of all, uh, there was a report this week that he's now giving citizenship to members of Hamas. That's a new revelation. Yes. Sort of, although we have talked about it, you know, I hinted about the, the meeting that took place in the past between them. This time he invited all the Hamas leadership again, uh, even though the Hania and others there are, are recognized as uh, international terrorists by the United States, by Israel, by the international, most of the international community. But he hosted them in a rather high-profile um, way. It's, again, one of the provocations that for which he is so well-known. And um, they met in Istanbul, and he, um, uh, he talks about his continued outreach, and we, he's attacked for it because this is a known terrorist entity. And so the... Um, uh, you know, he, he is, he's playing a very destructive and counterproductive role. He's being provocative again in the, in the Mediterranean against Greece. He's, he's done many things that um, uh, 
provoked a, a reaction to it, yet at the same time, you saw the president praised him uh, because of the release of uh, right. of one of the hostages, and so people reacted to that. Yeah. Um, if I would have asked you a month ago if you if you thought that this would be his reaction to the UAE deal, as opposed to ba- you know remaining relatively quiet, would would you have thought that he'd be more on the quiet side, or this is not surprising to you? It's not surprising, but I didn't expect him to come out and say that he's thinking of breaking diplomatic relations with the UAE because they are opening or will open an embassy in, in Israel when he has an embassy in Israel. And people were pointing out the hypocrisy of, of the guy, which is an inconsistency is not a strange thing when it comes to, to Erdogan. He's very mercurial and um, can flip one way or another. I mean, there are people who are saying, well, we should work to get closer ties. But at the same time, he's doing everything to, to frustrate those ties. Certainly the uh, president and others have reached out, try to, as a member of NATO, he's an important country. They, they try to, to rein in his uh, adventurism. And yet today he is as bad in many ways as, or moving towards the direction of Iran in terms of the, his, the activities and the and the. And, support for terrorism, support for other things, that, and, and then direct, direct engagement. And so it's, it's uh, you know, of greater concern. And when, you know, you see the other reports that came out this week about uh, ISIS, for instance, that they're, they, the Security Council at the UN, they reported that ISIS has 10,000 members in Syria and Iraq today, wow. plus people in Afghanistan. And they said in May alone, Islamic State perpetrated 400 terror attacks worldwide that caused hundreds of casualties. You don't read it, you don't see it, but we know that, for instance, in Syria, the Saladin, Kirkuk, the Allah provinces of, of Iraq, we know about the, the activities, um, as I said, in Syria, the Euphrates River Valley, they, they ambush people, they set up, they do explosives, all sorts of terror attacks. And, you know, for all of these things, we need a concerted and, and um, collective effort and they're being people are being recruited online. They're being recruited in small groups. They're recruiting in all different ways. It's one of, <clears throat> of the many challenges. And and when you have the major countries like Iran and Turkey playing such uh, contrary roles, it's uh, it adds to the destabilized situation that we're confronting. I always ask you this, but uh, I need to be reassured. Everything you just said, Washington's aware of the ten thousand and more. Oh yeah, I said it was at the security. Nope. Uh, Varansov, who is the um, uh, 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 who is the UN counterterrorism chief, um, he reported it to the Security Council of the United Nations. Is already recognizing it. That's, that's an achievement. Yeah, I hear that. Um, back to Erdogan for a moment. You, you, we know we know because you've told us his end game. You've told us his ultimate goal. I mean, it, it seems right. it, it seems that you know if, if it's a long shot, if he would go the peace route, it would seem just as much of a long shot if he goes this route. Is this the only shot he has, and that's why he's being so rough on everybody? Is what his only shot? What is it? Is what his only shot? That the, the this attitude. In other words, he'd go along and sort of either stay parv on the issue or express. You know, happiness with the fact that there's more of a relationship with other countries in Israel in the Middle East. That would be one approach. And the second approach is obviously the one he's taking right now. Is this is the only way he can achieve his ultimate goal? 
look, to the ultimate goal of being the caliph and of yeah. reestablishing the Ottoman Empire, yeah. good memory uh, for you, two points, that... Uh, uh, so when you understand his motivation and his design, but also he wants to be the Sunni counterpart to Iran's Shiite position, meaning that he is the leader, he's the one confronting the West, he's defending the principles, he's establishing mosques all over the world, thousands of them, uh, to spread his Muslim Brotherhood message and, uh, and this radical ideology, just as Iran is spreading their radical ideology. Both of them have sacrificed the economies of their countries for the, their larger uh, goals, um, both countries, their currencies have collapsed. The, the, um, they flirt with one another but are in conflict with one another, as they are both with Russia, working together where they, can, where they need to and fighting where they don't, like in Libya, where they are on opposite sides. So he has, he has chosen this path. The, he has implemented programs to Islamicize the population. There is a lot of resistance. His popularity is below 50% now. And that's why he does some of these foreign adventures, because he found that you divert people's attention, and that when there's a conflict situation or when there was the attempted coup, his popularity soars. And they're facing, I think, parliamentary elections in, uh, soon or within the year and other elections coming up. And he sees the, the handwriting on the walls. Remember, he lost the mayorality, his party lost the mayorality elections in the big cities, including uh, Istanbul. And he's, um, and he's moving constantly to consolidate power. So basically, if he stays in power, Turkey becomes the next Iran, both economically and in terms of their, uh, uh, their rhetoric. Well, it's a little bit of a different situation, and they still are in NATO, as you know. And he has arrested so many people, journalists, military people, um, uh, jurists, with uh, almost no outcry from the world to hold him to account for it. But, uh, yes, he's, he's continuously moving in this direction, and we see the... You know, the danger that the, all of these things uh, uh, pose and people who think that there isn't coordination or it's not uh, organized uh, have to look at it again. He, he's getting into to Gaza, and we've seen the increased uh, aggressiveness of Hamas, and whether it is because of the, their internal situation or they're trying to demand to get more money or get more concessions from Israel, which they, they try each time. But these... these um, Balloons with the with the um, incendiary devices and gas uh, set dozens of fires every day. People don't realize how much damage this does. As does they set up this laser which can which can fire against the, these balloons, and they took out 150 in the last 10 days. But but it's only in a very limited area, and these things can be launched anywhere from the. Gaza, uh, you know, somebody walking along, all of a sudden blows up a balloon and fills it with a few and can send it. So it's even hard to, to, to detect. And Israel has responded periodically to them. And at night, it's hit various sites, especially after the firing of, uh, of rockets. But it's made life in the South intolerable. In fact, you know, that four of the Gaza uh, Hamas leaders, uh, operatives, including a key leader, military leader, were killed because they were making uh, a, a bomb, and it exploded prematurely <laughs> and killed killed them. So you know that they're doing much more than just these balloons. They, they have tried to set off attacks near the border, 
and Qatar sent their El Amadi, their representative there, and every month he came with $30 million in cash, and this time he went back and he said he was trying to get an accord to stop the violence, and they couldn't. Egypt sent a delegation, and uh, it didn't work with them. Uh, it didn't work, and they came, they went back to, to Egypt. So, um, you know, it's a dangerous situation because Israel can't just tolerate this, this continuing uh, limitlessly. Are they under uh, corona lockdown in Gaza right now? There is a lockdown because they had some cases. Uh, they, they locked down uh, some of the areas uh, till now that it was only foreigners that brought it, but now they've had uh, domestic cases. So they have imposed a lockdown. And is Israel basically the same as it was a couple of weeks ago still, like the same type of uh, lockdown situation? Well, it keeps changing, and they're talking about introducing a bigger lockdown. Wow. Um, you know, the concern... And I know Mossad and other officials have warned about a second wave or could be a third wave and about the mutation of this virus. And because we're learning all the time new things, which is for important message for all of those who think that they're immune because they have antibodies, yep. you can still spread it and you can still get it. Yep. And that the, you know, it mutates into things. All age groups now are, are subject to it. We've seen it in even in the teenagers and even younger uh, isolated cases. Uh, and people who don't wear masks should understand the kind of the, the danger they're putting their loved ones and the community into, because even if they're immune, other people aren't. You can still be a carrier. You can still uh, contract it, according to the latest reports. And until we know for sure, why take the risk? Why not, for a simple gesture, um, do what is the most responsible thing? And I think I said this last week, but if you just look at that graph from uh, the early part of the 20th century, the second wave was so much worse than the first one in terms of sheer numbers, in terms of cases, and in terms of deaths. And that line was all the way at the bottom before the second wave started. I mean, they had complete what, what, what today, you know, everyone's saying, you know, everyone had it, it's over, it's waning away. And believe me, I'm advocating for restaurants to open and all these businesses to try to get as normal as possible. I think what some of the mayors, governors are doing in this country is, is, is suicide for a lot of people. But um, but still, you know, we have to be so careful because as winter approaches now, if it follows the same direction as some of the previous pandemics, and we're talking about some really serious stuff coming down the road. By the way, how many countries thought they had it under control, then it flares up again? How many states in the United States were boasting about the, the low number of cases, and then all of a sudden it it um, explodes again, it, it, it rises. So it's it's all question marks, everything. And I speak to doctors, I speak to top officials about it. Nobody knows. And therefore, just taking simple precautions shows that it cuts it down. New York State has been remarkable in the fact that it's been contained and hopefully will continue to be. Uh, we've paid a heavy price for it, and I hope that some of the restrictions will be reconsidered. But you know, we, it's, it is Sakhanis Nafashas. It's really uh, life and death issues that, that can be resolved and if people uh, take the necessary uh, precautions. Do you know what happened in the end if the Ukrainian officials were allowing people to come to Uman for Rosh Hashanah? I, I, I've read so many different things. Yeah, yeah, yes, no, yes. Yeah, so, so, no, so nobody knows. And, and, and you get the feeling that, I mean, I don't know what would happen if someone would actually go, but you, I'm getting the feeling based on what I'm hearing that there are people going whether they're being granted permission or not. I don't know what happens when they land there if, 
You know, well, I mean, some people are going already now before there is a ban. The, the prime minister, uh, the president, announced that at the request of Netanyahu, he was imposing a ban on visitors. The the health czar appointed or the, uh, to to control COVID in Israel has said it's absolutely unacceptable. Eighty flights, he can't do this. It'll upset the whole. Um, uh, whatever uh, positive trends that they can create. Right. Of course, it's created a big reaction in the Breslov community. Other communities who are protesting said they'll never support Netanyahu. The, the, I mean, it, it's a shame that it gets involved with politics and that I think that people have to look at it in the broader sense and take responsibility. Uh, but you're right. I hear that people have landed already in the Ukraine who are really adamant about, uh, about going. So the answer is I don't think we... We know what the bottom line will be because it keeps changing. Yeah, but true. you know that Israel has just launched this week, Neo, um, uh, these satellites that are nano satellites uh, that can detect signals of distress and pinpoint locations from or, or, and cover a whole wide range of areas. Like, of if, course, someone's, of like if someone's lost at sea or something, you mean? Let's see somebody in a forest, somebody in danger. Is this never been done before? Or is this, is never this... been done. Wow. News, n- nano satellites, meaning tiny satellites, small satellites, so they can detect it and they can cover a uh, broad range, let's say, of Israel or wherever. So, uh, so the, fear uh, that, the fear that people have, like a, a hiker, you know, someone in the family goes hiking and you worry what happens to them if, God forbid, they're either lost or something, you know, an accident happens. They'd actually be able to find them if they You'd be that. able to find them and see where they are. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. Celebrate what's great about Israel. There's a lot to celebrate, that's for sure. Uh, Malcolm, we reconvene, please God, two weeks from today. Mazal Tov. Have a Mazal wonderful Tov to you. Thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak in two weeks. God willing. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Friday mornings. 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM.